Well, thank you uh, for joining us. Unlike many parts of the country, Idaho is open for business. Up until a few days ago, 100% of all Idaho businesses were able to open their doors. And two weeks ago, we entered the final stage of our Idaho Rebounds Plan, an approach that has drawn praise from President Trump, Vice President Pence, and the White House officials. Even earlier than that, 95% of Idaho businesses were able to open their doors on May 1st. Our staged approach is the safe, responsible way to rebound our economy and keep our citizens safe. With more and more activity occurring around Idaho and more and more people going back to work, we knew there would be a rise in confirmed cases of COVID-19, especially as we increased our testing. We've relied on the expertise of health uh, medical professionals, public health officials, and we followed direction from President Trump and, CD and the CDC to develop a three-pronged system of evaluating moving in and out of stages. Back in March, we put in place a statewide stay-home order to abruptly slow the spread of coronavirus across Idaho in order to protect lives and preserve and strengthen healthcare capacity. Three months ago, testing was limited. Three months ago, the public health district's ability to effectively contact trace was limited. That's a centuries old practice of letting people know if they've been directly exposed to a dangerous disease. Three months ago, we saw some areas of Idaho facing alarming healthcare capacity constraints. Three months ago, we didn't have enough personal protective equipment for businesses and healthcare workers. The statewide approach three months ago was the right thing to do. But from the start, our plan was to eventually transition to a more regional approach. Earlier this week, Central District Health made the decision to move Ada County back to a modified stage three in order to protect lives and preserve healthcare capacity. These are tough decisions, but we understand it. The public health officials across the state have our support for doing what it takes to ensure hospitals aren't overrun with people seriously ill from complications of this highly contagious respiratory disease. The seven public health districts across the state are continually evaluating the criteria at the local level and will announce any changes in moving forward if that becomes necessary to flatten the curve. From a statewide perspective, today I'm announcing that we have not met the criteria to move out of stage four. Dr. Chris Hahn, our state epidemiologist, will explain the details in a bit. We will remain in stage four for at least another two weeks, at which time we'll examine the numbers again to determine if we can move out of stage four. Folks, we want businesses to open. We want our children back in school at the end of summer. So please, do not let your guard down. You can engage in the economy, safely go back to work, and safely receive care from your medical provider but you must do so while practicing the proven measures to fight COVID-19. Wear protective face coverings in public. 
Keep physical distance at least six feet from others outside your household. Wash hands and surfaces regularly and stay home if you're sick. Together, and only together, we can restore the prosperity that we had just months ago. In the meantime, we'll continue to support Idaho's economy. To date, we've provided more than $64 million in direct cash support for nearly 6,500 businesses. We've made personal protective equipment available to more than 3,100 small businesses in order to keep workers and patrons safe. We've responded to the needs of businesses and have having difficulty recruiting employees by making return to work bonuses available. President Trump, White House officials, and congressional Republicans are reviewing Idaho's approach. We're seeking to counteract a federal program that discourages returning to work so our economy can rebound more quickly, something that benefits us all. We, and we made up to $200 million available to support public safety and pass the savings on to property taxpayers. We will continue to lead the country in our support of businesses and workers. I'm confident that by working together, Idaho will rebound more swiftly and robustly than most other parts of the country and the world. With that, I will let Dr. Hahn explain our metrics and then we can take your questions. Dr. Hahn? Thank you. Um, as we've talked about before, we have set these criteria up based on White House guidelines, and they look at epidemiologic criteria, which looks at how many patients are getting, how many people are getting reported every day, uh, and we also look at our lab testing results. Secondarily, we look at people who are severely ill, people who are showing up in the emergency departments and uh, being admitted, and then the third area is our healthcare capacity. How are we doing as far as having enough beds for people, enough ventilators, enough uh, personal protective equipment. So I'll go through each of those three. As the governor already said, we do, did not meet our criteria for this leaving this stage. Uh, so if you look at the, uh, for the slide that's currently up there, you can see that our cases have been increasing um, pretty dramatically in the last two weeks. Over the 14 days that we've measured here, you can see an increasing trend in cases. Um, in the past, uh, despite some increases, we've been able to look to our percent positivity of labs and say, well, we're still under 5%, uh, and so we're doing okay. But you can see that our percent positive lab tests are also now over, well over 5%. So we did not meet this epidemiologic criteria for just looking at how common is this disease and um, uh, how widespread in the state. The next, um, the next criteria is the uh, hospital-based uh, emergency departments and people being presenting for illness. You can see there in that area, thankfully, we are still doing okay, uh, and we did meet these criteria. Although you can see from the top graph that there is a rising trend in the number of people going to the emergency department for, with visits for COVID-like illness, which we don't like to see, uh, we are at present still under the, in, under the criteria that we had set for uh, at, at about 20, and you can see that we are lower than that. Uh, however, um, and then, sorry, the second criteria on that page, you can see there is the number of emergency department patients who are actually admitted to the hospital, um, and that is we wanted to see fewer than two per day. 
Um, and you can see there that we are, there is a trend line, which I'm, is not shown on here, but the trend line is actually slightly upward, but we barely squeaked under that. I'm concerned that if when we look at this in a week or certainly at our next um, uh, re formal review in two weeks, I suspect we will be over that if things continue to go the way they're going. The third area is the healthcare capacity. Very concerning, as the governor keeps alluding to. Right now, uh, we are not using crisis standards of care in the hospitals. They are able to manage the patients. They have enough ICU beds. They have enough ventilators. That's all good for now. We have uh, over 100 ICU, or close to, I should say, 100 ICU beds available right now and uh, over 400 ventilators available. Uh, there also is enough PPE right now in the hospitals. They're reporting that they have enough uh, statewide. Uh, so that is easing up a little bit, those restrictions. However, the very last criteria in this category is that we have healthcare workers uh, who are uh, not getting ill. And you can see here uh, that the, uh, not only is the trend line slightly upward as far as uh, the number, you can, we don't show the trend line on this graph just uh, to, to avoid having too many lines, but you can eyeball that and see that the number of healthcare workers being reported has gone up. And also, we have more than an average of two per day uh, being reported now. Uh, I will add, uh, we might get talk about this further if there are questions, but I will add that we have reviewed those cases. Uh, we've also talked to the healthcare facilities that employ uh, many of these healthcare workers. And we've also talked to the district health department. And the general impression is that these healthcare workers are not getting affected on the job. Uh, they're not being infected from being exposed to COVID on the job. For the most part, these are thought to be in the community acquired. So just like we're seeing a, a sharp rise in cases in Ada County, most of these healthcare workers reported over this two-year period came from uh, or work in and live in Ada and Canyon County. So uh, we think that that is what we're seeing here is we're seeing what's in the community. We're seeing that reflected in our healthcare worker population as well. So um, in summary, we did not meet the criteria, and so uh, the state will be staying in stage four, and as the governor mentioned, we will look at this again in two weeks. Okay. Betsy. Governor, what's the difference? What difference does it make whether we stay in stage four or move to whatever comes after stage four? Well, well, if you go to if you go to the website, you'll see a, a lot of a lot of what's in stage four, basically uh, guidance uh, in in a variety of areas. And you know, we were hopeful, if in an ideal world, that some of that guidance we would we would slack up on uh, guidance for. Uh, for travel, guidance for restaurants, guidance for large events. Uh, all that guidance that's under stage four will stay in place. So, you know, we were, in an ideal world, uh, we'd go back to what uh, uh, what we did more and more, we'd get closer to back what it was. What we're doing is, we're not slamming on the brakes, we're tapping on the brakes, and that's a result of this. I think Dr. Hahn, uh, given the critical criteria where we are, we're, we anticipate, we hope, we pray, uh, we do all those things uh, that, that the staying in stage four will be a message to people that all these things that we just talked about, that I've talked about, that people uh, do a, a good job of implementing those. Yeah. Governor, I have a couple of questions from CBS2, a couple of CBS2 reporters. First, Brian Morin. 
Can you talk a little bit about the decision-making process? Uh, for you, huge responsibility as governor managing the whole state versus, uh, you know, getting down into the, the, the different uh, counties or cities managing this. Uh, which is better and, and, you know, to do a sweeping management style or to be able to get down into the cities and counties? Well, then I, as, and uh, we've said this uh, consistently uh, from the beginning, uh, when we were worried about this red line, uh, the things that I, when I went through my four or five things about three months ago, uh, th those have all changed. So the perilous uh, red line about what's taking place in some other states right now. Uh, uh, some of the southern states, uh, critical capacity in their hospitals is 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 getting pretty thin, and that's that was our issue. But we've done all those things. We've we've got more healthcare. We've got more telehealth. We got more PPE. We've got a, a lot of the things in place. And so when we got up to that area to where we weren't as worried about it, then we said it'd be regional. We still got nine. We still got nine counties where there's not one confirmed case. So if you have an, if you have an issue in one area, it's a little unfair to put big restrictions on the economy in those other areas if, if they haven't had any cases at all. And that, that's been our goal all along is to, uh, to have a more regional approach, but it, it's going to take more communication. People, uh, one of the things that I, I should have spoke about is who has authority under Idaho law. I have authority, the director has authority, the health districts have authority, and the mayors have authority. Up until this point in time, it's been uh, Director Jepson and I. Now it moves and we need, we need your help to communicate that to the people of Idaho about who has the authority as we go forward. Brian's uh, second question is about churches uh, with a limit of 50 in the churches. Will there be any uh, accommodation for churches over the 50 mark? We, we uh, nothing changes in, in, uh, in churches. And, and I don't believe that the 50, uh, that, that in stage four, that, that uh, limit is off uh, right now. So that was, that was the old criteria. But as I said early on when people said, well, why would you, open the churches and not the bars. I said, I, I've been at church at eight in the morning and I've been in a bar a little later than that. And I can tell you the behavior in churches in the morning is a little different than it is in those. And I'm not trying to disparage my friends in the, in the hospitality industry, but uh, to my knowledge, uh, because of the, uh, the practices that have been put in by our faith-based groups, uh, we haven't had any problems. Now there've been some other states where that has not been the case, but I have great faith in the faith leaders uh, that they will continue to do the right thing. All our criteria about distancing, about masks, about sanitation will continue to be implemented. A couple of questions from CBS2, Scott Logan. Um, he's asking, uh, uh, soon unemployed Idahoans will lose some important safety nets, uh, such as the uh, uh, eviction moratorium and that, uh, that $600 federal stipend that, that's coming right now. I think that ends, what, the end of Jul July. Um, can you just talk about what will happen? Is there any talk about extending that or, you know, some of the, you know, it's kind of called the, uh, the cliff, you know, when we get to that point for many Idahoans who are still well, out. Well, our goal is to have the economy uh, that, that all these things I talked about from a behavioral standpoint, uh, that that uh, gets the number down 
and people are calling their employees back to work, people are going back to work. As bad as it is in Idaho, there's only three states that have a lower unemployment rate than Idaho, and we're trying to put in every possible program we can to where people go back to work. Uh, this is the, you know, there's the, the U recovery, the V recovery. We're trying to do all we can uh, to facilitate the V recovery so that at the end of July, when those programs go away, there's ample employment opportunities and ample commerce going on to where people uh, will be successful. Uh, as far as those programs, a lot of that's up to Congress. Most of those programs were, were congressional pro, uh, programs, and there's a House bill, there's a Senate bill, uh, there's uh, some of the proposals that the administration has talked about. Uh, we keep in touch with them, uh, but we have to deal with what they give us. Scott's last question is, um, Director Jenny Revere told us uh, that once the backlog uh, is clear, the backlog of those uh, getting their claims, um, uh, that the state will have to deeply reassess what the Department of Labor is going to look like in their duties. Do you have any, any no, no, thoughts I, about uh, uh, Director Revere is right. We, we've learned a lot, but there were a few states that had put in new systems to deal with unemployment. It was just kind of a timing. Their old, old systems collapsed and they put in new automated programs, but nobody anticipated we'd go from 3% unemployment to up near to 10%. No, no state anticipated it. Some of them have changed their programs. We've actually done a lot. We've waived some rules, we brought in consultants, we've implemented new software, we've implemented new hardware. Uh, I, I totally agree with uh, Director Revere. Uh, it, it's the right thing to do going forward. We, we continue to try and automate the process, but what we've learned in this whole process is a number, number of fraudulent claims. Matter of fact, we, part of the delay, part of the issue that we've talked about in these press conferences over and over is the number of people and how late it was to get the programs out. It was because between state law and federal law, uh, there were a lot of confirmations that need to be made. In those states where People applied and they sent the checks out to them. They're now having to put in a whole system to reach out. I know personally two people that told, called me and said, I was notified that I, my claim for unemployment was accepted. I never claimed unemployment. We know we've got that in Idaho. We've got about 8,000, eight or 6,000, I can't remember what it is. It's uh, 8,000, 8,000 of those, eight or 9,000 of those cases marked that are, are kind of in the delay. But on an international basis, uh, people that do this for a living, people, well, it's not a living, they're crooks. Um, uh, uh, people that do this have gone out and bought data off of the dark web and made applications for unemployment. Because of our standards in Idaho, I believe that our compliance rate is one of the highest, but that was part of the delay. Those are all things that we will try and embed into our Department of Labor one of the things we're doing is having a lot of dialogue between our tax commission and Department of Labor where we can verify incomes, we can verify, uh, verify the, the legitimacy of a, complaint, of, of, a, of a claim, and then also that we minimize uh, illicit, because uh, that's taxpayers' money, whether it's federal taxpayers' money or whether it's the unemployment tax that every business pays, and having that go out is a burden on society. So.
Kevin? Governor, you alluded to Central District Health's decision, and Ada County's case numbers have increased by 35% over the past five days. But the same is true in Canyon County and Kootenai County, which are in two different health districts. Are you concerned that there's an inconsistency here in the way health districts are responding to these increases in cases? No, uh, it, it is a risk, uh, inconsistency uh, between the health districts. And, you know, the, as, I, as I alluded to, the hierarchy of how these decisions are made, uh, these decisions can be made by a mayor, by a health district, or by the director or myself. And, and we will uh, continue to have a very robust dialogue uh, with all those entities to make sure uh, uh, there's uh, consistency. All areas of the state are not alike. Uh, we that are right here in Ada County right now, we have probably the most uh, healthcare capacity uh, per citizen of almost anywhere in the state. But everybody's aware that from the Wood River Valley uh, to just below Riggins, everybody's dependent upon the healthcare system here, so we have to do all we can to preserve it. We will continue to work with them to, to try and create consistency uh, in, in how they handle that. But the, you know, a week ago, it was obvious that the spike was right here in this area. Now, as we get more data, we'll look outside of it, but we'll try and create as much consistency as possible. But all these areas are different. Their healthcare capacity, um, uh, all the issues that are on our gating criteria are different and we'll work with them uh, going forward. Betsy. Governor, you said that as bad as it is in Idaho, there are only three states that have a lower unemployment rate than we do here. Is it possible that our rate is lower, is showing as lower than it really is because we still have a large remaining backlog of claims? No, that have I, not I, no I, don't, I don't believe so. I think, I think those numbers, those claims are into the Bureau of Labor Statistics number. Those are BLS numbers. And I think, uh, I, I don't know how they do each and every one of them, but we don't have very many of them out there uh, that are uh, th uh, th that are unresolved. Uh, we've got them, we triaged them and put them in different buckets. And I know when we submit those reports to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, those are in there. It, <laughs> you said, is it possible? It is possible, but I don't think it's probable. A question for Dr. Hahn from James Dawson with Boise State Public Radio. He asks, why are healthcare workers more likely being infected in the community instead of on the job? Thank you. Yeah, so um, I think that uh, hospitals and healthcare facilities, long-term care facilities have come a long way in training their staff. PPE is more available. We have more knowledge about the virus. I think that uh, for the most part, we are not seeing a lot of transmission that appears to be in facilities. Uh, you may recall just uh, a week ago, we had a team, uh, CDC brought in some folks, worked with our state health department, worked with the local health districts, and they went around the state and did trainings in small, uh, some of our critical access hospitals, our long-term care facilities. I think that training and the availability of PPE and the time that the governor has been talking about, about the time for uh, facilities to really get ready is paying off and we are not seeing a lot of transmission. However, healthcare workers are people too, and some of them go to the restaurants, they have families, they may, some of them may go to bars. I think that they're just like us, you know, they are us. Um, and so I think that that's why we're seeing transmission in, in, uh, among healthcare workers that 
uh, live and work in communities where the disease is high. None of us are, are safe from the disease, if you will. Um, we are all potentially at risk. So I think that um, uh, they're, they're getting exposed like other people are getting exposed. A question from Don Day of Boise Dev. Will the governor consider making masks mandatory in public? If not, why? Uh, no. Uh, well, or, or I guess the question was, will I consider? Uh, uh, we, we'll look at all options, but as I stated this morning on a call with somebody, uh, mandatory mask for somebody that works by themselves outside all day, uh, that doesn't pass the common sense test. Uh, what does pass the common sense test is we know that face coverings work. And we want to urge anyone uh, that particularly uh, if they're inside of that six-foot circle uh, that we talk about to do it. But, uh, you know, we've got, as I said, nine counties without any spread at all. Uh, you know, you could, you could do something, but you wouldn't, the compliance would be terrible. And I, I prefer that, uh, and, and it's taken place. I mean, the, the mask wearing in Idaho compared to what it was two weeks, a month ago, two months ago, has gone up astronomically, and we got a way to go, but, but mandatory masks just don't make any sense for a lot of Idaho. And another question from James Dawson from Boise State Public Radio. You've repeatedly said Idaho won't go back to normal until there's a therapeutic or a vaccine, but what happens when we leave stage four? Will there be any restrictions on gatherings or in other aspects of life after the state retires the plan? Well, if you go to the, uh, the website and look at all the criteria, we've got, we've got guidance for restaurants, bars, uh, movie theaters, uh, large gatherings, uh, all those uh, uh, healthcare facilities, our correctional institutions. Uh, that guidance is going to stay in place as if, and, and of course, even when we get a vaccine, it's going to, if, if all of a sudden tomorrow, uh, somebody says we've got the vaccine, we got to get it produced, and we got to get it delivered, and we got to get it delivered to everybody. So uh, that's when life will return to uh, what we knew 110 days ago. Keith? Governor, early on in this pandemic, you said it was important for the entire state to have the same restriction because some people would um, just automatically go to where there were less restrictions. What makes you think that you know people, for example, who like to go to bars won't just drive someplace where the bars are open under this new plan? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I wish I could say it won't happen, but it will happen. Uh, we saw it happen early on when, when the city of Boise uh, did something. And, and I think that's why the health district did it on a county basis. You know, you got to draw the line somewhere. Uh, I can only draw a line at state line. I can't stop somebody uh, from Fruitland from going to Ontario or from Moscow from going to Pullman or, or uh, going across the line into West Yellowstone in Wyoming. So uh, we have to deal with those, uh, those line issues. The issue of, of, of uh, what we were seeing uh, somewhat scientifically and somewhat anecdotally, is is that the spread uh, that the health district recognized here was from uh, the urban core here in Boise, uh, it, and it was the fact that the there was a a large number of transmissible moments that were taking place uh, that that the tracers uh, 
saw as the evidence of what was taking place. Uh, I, those lines, those geographic lines, those economic lines exist. And uh, as long as we keep our criteria down, we'll be able to manage it on a, on a regional basis. But there's nothing perfectly fair about this whole system. I, I just have to emphasize to everybody that uh, COVID-19 is not fair. There are some people that have suffered incredible consequences, and there's some people that have had a business model that have made money off of it. Is that fair? No, but sometimes life's not fair. We try and do all we can to make it as fair as possible, and that's what we're trying to do. So, uh, Governor, so, you know, obviously staying in stage four isn't going to change a whole lot. Um, what do you expect to slow down the rapid increase of cases uh, taking place beyond Ada County? Uh, well, as we, as we do more tracing, as we do more testing, as people become aware of it, uh, that'll be part of it. But uh, I, I think the fact that Central District Health took this action, if, if you're a, if you're a, a restaurant uh, person, a, a bar owner, a bar patron, uh, just the awareness uh, that those opportunities could go away if things got worse. I think that that serves as an example. We're seeing it in other states. Uh, I think uh, today, Governor Abbott shut down elective surgery in Texas because of what happened there. These things on a, on a macro basis have consequences, and I believe the people of Idaho don't want those consequences to take place, and uh, I hope I think and I pray that that's what happens. Governor, I wanted to ask, what is the state's testing strategy going to continue to be following the president's remarks urging officials to slow down testing? The, our, our testing plan that we introduced, what, Dave, three weeks ago? Yeah, a month ago uh, is still in place. We're, we're ramping up testing. Uh, uh, we're, we're maintaining testing capacity. Uh, the example that you're all familiar with that took place in the last 24 hours is uh, when we discovered that we had uh, our first case inside of our penal institution, we had to have uh, testing capacity, and we do. Uh, Dr. Hahn and, and we talked about it this morning, we're putting testing into there. So having that extra testing capacity, if we got a problem, whether it be in a, a processing plant, whether it be in a correctional institution, whether it be in a long-term uh, capacity, all of those pieces and parts of the testing plan are still in place, and we want to continue to ramp up testing. Um, Governor, you've mentioned before that, uh, um, you, I guess you've discussed uh, buying PPE in bulk for agricultural workers in Idaho. Um, has that happened yet, or is that in the oh, process? Oh, uh, what I'd say, 3,100 businesses. Uh, um, didn't you pay attention to my great speech? It was just incredible. Um, uh, uh, 3,100, I, I think 3,100 businesses, ah, here we go, uh, 3,100 small businesses have been able to uh, use the purchasing power of the state to get PPE. It was a great speech. Governor, you mentioned the testing strategy that was released a month ago, yet we still don't have an implementation plan for that strategy. 
nor that has not yet been released and we are thousands of tests behind where that strategy envisioned we would go are we doing what we need to do on testing uh, 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 to my knowledge we are I'll let I'll let uh, director Jepson uh, address the uh, uh, I mean I know that the numbers of tests that we have now compared to what they were uh, uh, I, I I didn't see the box about checking the strategy but I'll let Dave address that Thank you, Betsy, for the question. We did, in fact, release the uh, testing strategy from the testing task, testing task force recommendation about a month ago. Uh, many parts of that testing strategy have, in fact, been implemented, and I'll list a couple of things that have taken place. Uh, it's an evolving strategy as well, and we will continue to work to make sure we have a robust implementation plan as testing capacity increases across the state. Uh, but we haven't seen the number of tests increase from an average of about four to 5,000 a week in May to up around uh, 10, nine to 10,000 a week here in June. Uh, and this last week we were over 11,000, which is an indication that testing has continued to increase. We know that our current capacity across the state in total is probably about 23,000 a week. And we continue to work to increase that capacity as rapidly as we can. And that's part of the implementation plan that Betsy asked about is how do we continue to grow the ability to test more in the state. We have seen quite a bit of success. We have seen um, many of our local hospitals be able to, uh, through the help of the state, get access to the chemicals they need to run tests on site. Uh, we've seen the VA hospital here bring up their uh, equipment to be able to do testing up to 1,000 a day. Uh, the state lab has gone from about 12 to 14 tests a day when we first started this adventure together. Uh, we just, we're just coming up on a doing, being able to do 500 tests a day at the state lab, and the list goes on. Uh, testing sites at pharmacies have been piloted. Uh, pharmacists are able to prescribe tests, so we're going to continue to expand that pilot across the state. Um, uh, we've been working with com uh, conversations going on between universities and local hospital systems, preparing for uh, testing for those institutions when the fall comes along, uh, and the list goes on. So I want to make sure everybody knows there's been a lot of good work that's taken place around testing. Uh, the federal goal is that we test 2% a month, and in June we are on path to hit that. In fact, we've already achieved that in June. Uh, we will continue to achieve that going forward. Having said all of that, we do know that we can need to continue to expand testing. Um, a federal goal of 2% uh, is about 36,000, 38,000 tests a month. Uh, the testing recommendation said ideally we'd be up about 150,000 tests per month, and we continue to work towards that goal. A question from Boise State Public Radio. Could you explain the local control hierarchy? If a public health district issues an order, does that supersede whatever a mayor might do, and could you and Director Jepson overrule a district? Uh, as, as I... Uh, stated earlier, uh, the the people that can uh, put in these orders in place are the mayors, the health districts, Director Jepson, and myself. And uh, I, over overruling or overriding uh, is, you know, we can we can talk about that. But the best thing for the state of Idaho is that everybody worked together cooperatively uh, to address these issues. When Central District Health met for three hours on Saturday, uh, we were in constant contact with them. Uh, this whole, we don't need, uh, people don't want their elected officials, uh, their agencies fighting amongst each other. We need to have, be united in our plan uh, to manage this coronavirus as best we can, keep Idaho people safe, and rebound the economy. So 
uh, as I know it's going to be a little more complicated when we go to a regional approach versus a statewide approach, but it's what we advocated to, be, to begin with and we'll continue to work on as we go forward. Most states are doing part of that. To kind of follow up on the testing numbers question from Betsy before, what kind of numbers are you going to need in the fall to have capacity and surge capacity when public schools reopen, when colleges and universities reopen? Well, we've, that, that's part of the issue, is that, that uh, federal guidance uh, will not be adequate if we have to test all the kids. Uh, but, but that testing all the kids, and the, and the thing about testing all along is, I, Kevin, I can test you today, and you can get infected this afternoon, and then does that mean I test everybody every day, everybody every five days? The, the, the practical matter is right now, if you look at the hierarchy that's in our testing uh, strategy about obviously symptomatic, obviously healthcare workers, obviously long-term care, obviously corrections populations, and then as we work up the food chain as recommended by our, our testing strategy, we're trying to maintain capacity and we're trying to build capacity so that in the fall we'll have it. Uh, we'll continue to work with uh, whether it be higher education. Most of the higher education institutions have contracts with local hospitals. Uh, the more complicated part, which you're very familiar with, uh, Kevin, is the 160 uh, school districts we have in the state and how, how we work through that and where they're going to have capacity locally and how we're going to handle that. Uh, our, our education uh, group that's working on uh, going back to school in the fall, that's one of the things that they're discussing. Keith. Uh, Governor, early on when the state successfully moved ahead in stages, you con congratulated Idahoans. Um, now that the state has failed, is there any group of Idahoans you want to blame or a subset that you would find at fault for this failure? Uh, well, this won't be the first time uh, uh, that we haven't done things perfectly, but if you look around the nation and look at all the states, uh, there weren't very many epidemiologists that said, when you open the economy up, when you go from, uh, you know, almost universal uh, stay home to as we have in Idaho, where uh, two, Monday 100% of businesses, unless they were a large venue, could be open, uh, that we expected those numbers to go up. It's all about managing uh, the, the situation. And of course, the critical part of it, which was the last great gating criteria that Dr. Hahn had up there, which is that ICU capacity. Most of those other ones I see as kind of canaries uh, uh, in the coal mine, and that's you know, an increased number of positive tests uh, is, is, you know, an indicator that we want to watch. Obviously, the rate of positivity is a, even a more important one. Healthcare workers is, is one uh, that we just barely made last time that we have now. But the ultimate one, which is this red line on this graph, which is ICU capacity and healthcare workers, we're okay on. And, and we anticipated that. It's not a bad thing for all of us to have a knock on the door and say, uh, be careful, continue to uh, implement these good practices so we don't override that red line. That's my job, is to make sure statewide uh, we don't have any real estate above, 
any, any population above that red line in a state that's got limited healthcare capacity with only, only some capacity in some areas. And we haven't done that yet. But, but those canaries uh, that are part of the, uh, part of the uh, gating criteria that Dr. Hahn talked about are a good uh, signal to us to, you know, let's take our foot off the gas, let's become uh, more safety conscious and go forward. Uh, almost all my fellow governors are, are having the same problem in, in their open, open economy and we're, we're learning more about it every day about what we can do, about the epidemiology, about how this behaves. The one thing we do know that being outside is better than inside. So whatever we do, the capacity that, uh, that uh, Kevin asked about, uh, we're gonna have to have capacity in the fall and as days get shorter and people are more inside, we're gonna have to do more. Hopefully we'll know more about it Hopefully we'll have better therapeutics. Hopefully a vaccine will be on the horizon. But if it isn't, we're gonna to have to continue to ramp up our practices going forward. Uh, Governor, this question is from Audrey at the Statesman. Um, university sports teams are in the lowest priority for testing. Um, why are uh, Boise State athletes getting tested while someone who goes to an ER with symptoms, you know, still might not qualify? Um, is it because they're, you know, not one in, in uh, is it because they're not in one of the top priority groups? Uh, well, I don't know if anybody goes into a hospital with symptoms that isn't getting tested. I'm looking at my healthcare experts. So I, I, I think the, I think the, uh, the condition on the question uh, is not exactly accurate. If, you, if you're symptomatic, uh, we have all kinds of things in place. As, as in response to Kevin's question, uh, some, of the, uh, some of the higher ed institutions have contracts uh, with uh, with providers to do some of that testing out there. And of course, we're advocates for that uh, because those contracts mean we're gonna have more testing means that if there's a problem there, they're not plugging up my state lab. Uh, they're, they're going to a dedicated area. So, but if you're, you're symptomatic and you're going, to a, uh, you're going into any kind of a facility, uh, you, you should get tested today. Marissa, I'll try and get Betsy to ask all her questions at once so you don't have to get so much exercise. I was told she wanted the exercise. <laughs> um, Governor, to return to the question about the hierarchy of decision making that James Dawson asked earlier, what if a mayor wants to do one thing, their local health district wants to do something else? And where do you weigh in? Who makes the call? That's never happened in Idaho where local entities disagree. We, I do that every day. That's my job, uh, is, to, is to deal with that. Uh, it's, it's always going to be about communication. It's always going to be about uh, uh, what, uh, you know, what's best for their constituents. Uh, and, and frankly, uh, uh, you all have a role in this. Uh, you know, pointing out uh, an inconsistency. I've never seen you be uh, hesitant about it in the past, and I don't anticipate 
you'll be hesitant about it in the future to point out uh, inconsistency am among uh, entities of, of state government. But my role is to get, take the science, take the plan we've got, and do all we can uh, uh, to implement it. it. It may not be an inconsistency, it may be uh, somewhat of a disagreement about how you interpret the data when the data comes in, and we'll continue to make that data better and available to them going forward. Uh, you know, temporarily, somebody say, you know, we don't want to close down our whatever it is. Uh, I think the awareness of the people of Idaho is high enough that if it, if it looks like a, an elected official or an appointed official, which is what the health, health districts are, are standing in the way of that, uh, it's to their peril. They're not doing the right thing. They're not maintaining the health care in Idaho. You know, the, the health districts have been doing this for a year, whether it be TB, whether it be other areas. Uh, this is just a much more, uh, uh, there's a much more awareness of the COVID-19 than there is in the other areas. So what health districts have done in the past has been part of their standard operating procedure. I am certain we will have part of that problem and we'll address it when we come to it uh, about whether, uh, whether the mayor uh, or, or the health districts are correct and, and we'll continue to work on that. But we wanna do the right thing. You know, if it's a matter of timing, they say, well, why don't you close them down this week versus next week? I mean, part of that decision uh, will be, and, and every health district has one uh, doctor on it by law. Isn't that right, uh, Elke? Every health district, there's a medical, so there's, there's every single health district, some of them are almost all county commissioners that appointed themselves. Some of them, there's a wide variety, but every health district has one uh, medical provider on it that I think would add, will add some stability to their decisions. So, so just to follow up, I think I heard you say that you do see it as your role to mediate between those um, officials oh, yeah. who disagree and perhaps to make the tie-breaking call. Well, we'll 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 look at it, but uh, you know we want to do the right thing. As I as I said, ultimately, Director Jepson and I are responsible for healthcare capacity for the old, for the entire state. And if it looks like somebody's saying, "Oh, what the heck? Let's get herd immunity and." Uh, 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 county zebra, I won't pick on anybody, uh, the, the, the uh, county of zebra, uh, we don't care, we'll, we'll, be the, we'll be the Sweden model where we'll get herd immunity. Uh, then at that point in time, in consultation with the health districts, we may have to step in, but I don't wanna do that. But I will if I have to. Governor, I just wanted to ask, when, whenever Idaho does get past stage four, if that does happen in two weeks, what specifically will be okay? Can people start packing concert halls again, you know, football games in the fall to Boise State? I guess what specifically will be different? Uh, it, I, I'll give you the answer I hate to give you, and it depends. Uh, obviously, uh, any big event, the standards that we've got in our protocols will still be important. Uh, do you have, uh, where you had three gates to get into an event, do you have 20? Uh, uh, do you only have half the seating capacity? 
a lot of that's in the guidance that we have out there. We all know, and I ticked them off here, uh, obviously to fill Boise uh, Bronco Stadium and have six foot of spacing, you're not gonna get 30,000 people into that building. Um, and that's in, into that stadium. Uh, obviously, if, uh, you know, the, the transmissible moments that are there uh, are, are, are what gonna predicate what the rules are there. And a lot of those things are gonna be in consultation with their health districts. We spent a lot of time talking to health districts uh, collectively from the CDC standpoint about what the best practices are. And those large venues, uh, they need to have uh, consult with their health districts about what's, because as I said, now the health districts are more responsible. It's in their best interest to not have a super spreader event in an area, because then they're gonna have to tell everybody they gotta dial everything back, and they don't wanna do that any more than I don't wanna do it. Looks like we're all done. Thank you all for coming out, stay safe.